0: stand tonight you won't need a song book hopefully if the words of poet appear up behind us here yeah what a fellowship everyone standing tonight leaning on the everlasting arms o Cast your care upon him altogether now.
1: Thank you. Let's just remain stand for a word of prayer. Let me get my bearings right here. i got two or three things on my mind. And after I turn 40, I can't keep but one thing on my mind and do it right. Amen? I can imagine how life is difficult for the majority of you tonight. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Not insinuating it anything. We better pray. Amen? Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to be with us tonight. Father, we do thank you that we can cast all of our care upon you. And, Father, we know that you care for us, and for that reason we are motivated and encouraged to bring all of our cares and give them to you. I ask you now that you take this service and let it be a service that will be brought to you, that will be drawn to you, that will see you for who you are and what you deserve. So minister to every heart tonight. We do pray you'll be with all the activities that are going on Pray that you'd be with the Iwana tonight, the Owana leaders and all the Iwana children. Pray that you'd be at the junior high department and our junior high kids. We pray, Lord, you bless the senior high department and our teenagers. I pray you'd minister to every heart and work tonight. And I pray there'd be a work of God done on these grounds. Stir our hearts here and revive us in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's continue to sing.
0: Page number 320, trust and obey.
1: 320. ushers come forward to receive our offering and let me encourage you to give and everything you give on Wednesday night goes toward the Bible conference and I want to say I appreciate all that you have given through the year and uh, we have just about raised enough to uh, meet the lodging that with the need that we have last year and of course I know that it'll be greater this year but uh, uh, you're enabling us to give what you give on Wednesday night enables us uh, to take care of all of these and it'll save us from having to raise so many rooms and get people to uh, buy rooms at the end of the year that's why we do this so I appreciate all that you have given thus far a motel bill last year was a little over five thousand dollars and we have just about reached that thus far and got two or three more months to go so you give and give generously and as we near get closer to the conference uh, just drop in a little bit extra and it'll be able to cover all the expense of the meeting. Don't forget now, Sunday is Mother's Day, and the Wisdoms are going to be with us Sunday morning and Sunday night. They're always a blessing. I enjoy having them here. And then Sunday week, I hope you've been praying about it. how many of you has God laid on your heart to give $5,000 this year? Nine, ten. I see 15 of you. I appreciate that. And uh, I, I do, seriously the amount is not what is important it is what we have and from whence we give and what we give and so I want you to pray about it Like i say every year we do this once a year to do the things around the buildings but I want you to really pray this year about a special offering a special gift to give and I'm excited about getting the uh, work started and, uh, and in fact I told someone a little while ago and I told him I said we're ready to start it's time you want to start so I hope they'll start maybe a week or so early and get it going here but uh it won't be long and uh they'll be around here working so those are going to be exciting days and as we see things develop and move right along but uh, you give and you think about your offering on that sunday that's a special day i know of nothing that a liberated church or an individual more than the freedom of giving to god amen and uh, so many of you have learned the blessing of giving it and, and this year has been a phenomenal year and we appreciate your giving and your sacrifice I'm sure if we did a survey through the church we'd find that that a big portion of the congregation uh, does not give and that would be true anywhere I read one time I think is Ron blue the noted uh, man deals with finances he said one time that if everybody in the church was reduced to a level of poverty and then begin to give 10 percent of that the offerings would more than triple in the church and uh but many churches you'll find the majority do not give or they give but they really don't give biblically which is giving a tithe and then your offering to the lord and many of you do that and many of you need to learn that and it'd be a real blessing we'd be able to do so much more for god see the more you give the more we're able to do and that's what it's all about is being able to do much for the lord we thank god for what he's doing we're not a bank and uh, we're not in the business of trying to see how much interest we can draw in saving money and whatever there. We take what comes in we channel it right back out into something. And the more it comes in, the more we're going to do. Amen. And that's what it's all about. Let's pray and you give tonight. Father, we ask you to bless the offering. And we do pray for the Lord's Day. We pray for Mother's Day. That it will be a special day. Be anointed of God. Thank you for our guests that will be here. And the blessing they'll be to us through... Uh, The ministry of music And I pray you bless them as they travel And give us a great day And may we see folk come to the Lord Jesus on Sunday And then Sunday week, Lord As we come to a day of giving And a special day of giving We thank you, Lord, for the project To which you will finance this year And we're excited about that But I pray you'll meet every need that you That we have on that particular Sunday We know that you are God And we know you are able So we pray you'll bless Bless our giving tonight in the service in Jesus' name Amen.
2: I I never get over the the love for my little grandchildren. Uh, Every time I get out of the car, every time I go out of the house, my little grandson's with me. I go to the ball field where he is. Anytime I'm close to him, we're going somewhere. He just reaches up his hand and grabs my hand. And I don't know. I don't know what age he'll end up giving that up. I hope never. Uh, But I know one day it will come when he will. But until that time, I'm just going to enjoy leading him and hopefully leading him spiritually in the way he ought to go. And it just reminds me of my Heavenly Father that loves me so much, that holds my hand and protects me and guides me. And I love him so much for his love for me and his guidance and his his mercy. And uh, there's an old, old song that I really, dearly love to sing because of what it has to say about that relationship with my Heavenly Father called he holds my hand his hand in mine
3: you may ask me how I know my Lord is real you may doubt the day he'll always be i can feel his hand in mine and that's enough for me i will never Each step I take, and when I fall, I know he understands till the day he tells me why he loves me so. I can feel his hand in mine, that's all. To know, I will never walk alone He holds my hand he, holds my he guides each step I take And when I fall I know He understands till the day he tells me why he loves me so i can feel his hand in mine that's all i need to know i can feel his hand in mine that's all I need to know.
1: That's great. Let's open our Bible to the book of John chapter 4. And I want us to look tonight at a very familiar passage of Scripture. And I want us to look at a wonderful story. Or look at a thought that is given in this wonderful story. And I want us to think tonight, and, and we probably will do so for a few weeks, about the matter of worship. I think we have, in many ways, uh, I believe it's R.A. Torrey or A.W. Tozer that made the statement that the uh, art of worship has been lost, and it is being lost in many ways. And, but I want us to learn what it is to really worship God. And I want us to think tonight on this thought. Are you what God is looking for? Are you what God is looking for? Would you stand as we honor the reading of His Word? John 4, verse 19. And we'll look at this familiar passage and Jesus' response to the woman that He met at the well. And He gave us some wonderful teachings about worship. Now I believe that one of the reasons people do not worship is they do not understand worship and they don't understand how to worship and what worship involves. Well, Jesus gives us some wonderful uh, thoughts tonight about worship. Verse 19, the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such To worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You notice the latter part of verse 23: For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Are you what God is looking for? Thank you. You May be seated. Let's pray. And then tonight I want to set before you three things in this passage about the matter. Of worship let's pray our father in Jesus name we are so thankful that you have us by the hand we're so thankful Lord that your scripture the scriptures teaches us that we are in your hand and the scriptures teaches Lord that we are engraven in the palms of your hand kept by the power of your hand so we thank you tonight for just your hand and what it means to us as a believer and we're so thankful that we put our hand in yours. What safety, what strength, what security we find in those thoughts and promises. Now, Father, tonight we ask you to speak to us. And we ask you tonight that you would take this group of believers that is gathered together. And Father, would you open our hearts and would you meet us tonight through your word? Would you give us understanding? Lord, you spoke to us often in the scripture about Hearing and hearing rightly and hearing properly and taking heed to what we hear and to how we hear Lord we realize that the understanding of spiritual truth is a work of the Holy Spirit That he must open the mind and he must open the heart And Father if you desire that others worship you So we ask you tonight to touch us as a group of believers And move us out of ourselves then to what you really have for us To worship you as you so desire so speak to us tonight we'll thank you and praise you for it's in Jesus name we pray amen I know most of you are familiar with the name of Stalin he is the leader of Russia and the infamous communism. and whatever a man that hated God a man that denied God and a man that in many ways tried to do away from God and all of that which he ruled and overruled but his daughter was quite different his daughter believed in God his daughter She often made comments that maybe indicated that she had a measure of faith in God. But his daughter at one time fled Russia and took refuge here in America. When she came to the United States, instead of using the revolutionary pseudonym under which her father was known, she went by her mother's maiden name. The New York Times pronounced the name Alleluiava which was a Russian exclamation of Hebrew origin and in pronounced in English it was simply hallelujah or hallelujah that's what her name was now how would you like to have the name tonight hallelujah or Allelujah? that'd be a good name to have how you doing brother hallelujah how you doing brother hallelujah and what it wouldn't fit a lot of people but it would be a great name to have now we may not have that name tonight, but I want to say this. Every believer ought to be known as a believer that praises and worships God. Can I repeat that? Every believer. Every believer. Every one of you. I don't care what your emotional makeup is. I don't care if you're a quiet person or an open person. I don't care if you're sophisticated, reserved, or very informal. Every believer, saved by the grace of God, ought to be known as somebody that gives praise to God. And you ought to be known as somebody that worships God and somebody that is loving and adoring of Him. Someone has said that too many Christians worship their work, work at their play, and they play at their worship. And I think that's because many believers just do not understand, as I said a moment ago, what real worship is all about. And it's a good possibility that believers, some even in this room tonight, have never had a real time of worship, never had an experience of just worshiping God. Well, in John chapter 4, as Alfred Gibbs in his little book on worship describes, he said, It's our Lord's own teaching on worship. You find here that Jesus taught us what real worship is. He gave us a definition of worship that we'll look at in just a moment. He described worship and he defined what real worship is about, how we worship and how we are brought into worship. So let's look tonight at what Jesus had to say about worship and let's try to learn tonight what real worship is about. Let me, let me give you three simple little thoughts. First of all, I want you to notice from the text the Father's desire for worship. The Father's desire for worship. We find in the latter part of verse 23. And it's from this statement that I got the title, Are You What God is Looking For? But the Bible said, The Father seeketh such to worship Him. Now look at that statement. The Father seeketh such to worship Him. Jesus was stating that God desired to be worshipped. Now we know that God deserves to be worshipped. And the Bible even teaches us that God demands to be worshipped. But here in John chapter 4, Jesus was teaching us that one of the things that God wants is the matter of worship. In fact, the desire of the Father is seen in the fact that God seeks people to worship Him. That God is on a search mission. That God seeks and there is this ambition of God to find those that will worship Him now when you think about all that god wants everything that god wants is important would you not agree anything that god would say anything that god would want is very very important but when god seeks for something i would say that is extremely important the very fact that it's not only what God wants, but it's something He is searching for, something that He is looking for. It is something that He desires, and not only desires, but goes out searching for. That I say that's very, very, very important in our life. But He says here, the Father seeketh such to worship Him. The Father's desire for worship. Now when I see that statement and read that statement, there were two questions that came to my mind. As I thought about it and tried to chew over a little bit and how I wanted to bring it out to you tonight, there were two things that came to my mind or two questions that came to my mind when I thought about the statement. Question number one is this, who does he find? If God is looking for those that will worship him and he desires to be worshipped and he is searching for those that worship that will worship him, then who does he find that will worship him? In this room tonight, who does God find? Whom does God find that will worship him? As he passes by where you're sitting tonight, does he find in you somebody that worships? Does he find in you? Does he find in me as he goes about this room tonight? And he is seeking those that will worship him. Whom does he find? Who does he find to worship him? And he seeks those to worship him, but who does he find? The second question that came to my mind was this, and I couldn't help but think this why does he have to seek? When I think about the fact that God is seeking those to worship Him, I thought to myself, well, who does He find that worships Him? But I could not help but think, why does God even have to seek for somebody to worship Him in the first place? You would think after all that God has done for us and all the God's goodness and the gifts of God that are poured into our life every day, the psalmist said He daily loadeth us with benefits, Lamentation says that His mercies are new every morning. And Isaiah talks about how His kindness is part of our life day by day by day. The very fact we are saved by grace, that we've been redeemed by the shed blood, after all that He had to go through for our salvation, then why would He even have to look for somebody to worship Him? You would think that after all that he's done in our life That would be a response that would automatically follow After all that we have received and all God has done in our life It ought to be that the father is being worshipped on a regular daily basis It shouldn't be that God has to seek or search for somebody to worship him I hope that when God walks through the aisles of Temple Baptist Church That he doesn't have to look for somebody to worship him Who does he find? Why does he have to seek? I think about the saintly A.W. Tozer who served God in Chicago for so many years. And I guess if there was one thing that he majored on in his ministry, it would have to be the matter of worship. And he wrote a great book called The Knowledge of the Most Holy. And he dealt with the attributes of God and just magnified who God was. And he it's very obvious that this was a man that knew God. This was a man that knew about God and was acquainted with God. And one of the themes in his preaching was the matter of worship. He spoke on it often. But he made this statement in one of his writings. He said, referring to the church of Jesus Christ, he said, we're organized, we work, we have our agendas, We have almost everything, but there is one thing that the churches, even gospel churches, do not have, and that is the ability to worship. It is the one shining gem that is lost to the modern church, and I believe that we ought to search for this until we find it. I would agree with that. Why should we search for this gem called worship? Because God searches for those that will worship Him. You see, there is the desire of the Father for worship. He seeketh such to worship Him. And it ought to be our desire to search, to know what worship is, to search, as Toza would say, that shining gem that is lost to the church and search for it because God Himself is seeking those that will worship Him. There's the Father's desire for worship. But let me give you a second thing. There is the Father's description of worship. Jesus met this woman at the well, and you know the story, and I'm not getting all the details of her life, but this was a woman that was really messed up. And in the course of the conversation there, and of course, as you know, he was passing through Samaria, and the Samaritans and the Jews had no dealings with one another. A Jew would go miles and miles out of his way rather than go through Samaria. And there was all this conflict and this strife there, and... Jews hated Samaritans and Samaritans hated Jews but Jesus must needs go through Samaria and he stopped to get a drink of water at the well and he met this woman whose life was really really messed up and in the course of their conversation they began to discuss the matter of worship she spoke about worship from her Samaritan upbringing Jesus began to talk about worship not only from a Jewish vup- viewpoint but also from a biblical standpoint. And in so doing, he gives us a description of of worship. For one thing, Jesus taught us in the passage here that worship is not limited to a place. For example, look in verse 20. She said our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And the mountain that she was referring to was Ger- Gerizim. And the Samaritans had somewhat twisted history and whatever and They had claimed that all the many, many great things that happened in Jewish history and happened in that country had happened on Mount Gersom, such as they said that it was on Mount Gersom that the ark had landed. They said that it was on Mount Gersom that Abraham had offered his son Isaac. And even though the scripture's very clear about where these things occurred, The Samaritans had twisted history and everything to make this a very, very sacred spot. To the Samaritans, there was not a more sacred spot on the face of the earth than this particular mountain. Thus, the reference to our fathers worshiping in this mountain. And no doubt she referred to her fathers, those that preceded her her ancestors. At one time, there was this Samaritan temple that was built on on Mount Garrison. So she's no doubt is pointing back to our fathers, or ancestors that had worshipped in that temple and all the sacredness as far as Samaritans were concerned associated that mountain. She said, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Verse 21. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father, the most sacred space on the face of the earth for the Jew was Jerusalem. That's where the temple of God had stood. But Jesus said to her, There's coming a day, and it even now is, when men will no longer worship, and the object of place will worship will not be Mount Garrison, It will not be Jerusalem. What he was saying is that worship is not limited to a place. In a Samaritan mind, worship was to go to Mount Gerizim. In a Jewish mind, was to come to the tabernacle in the wilderness and later on to the temple, and there they would worship. But Jesus wanted to teach her and his us as well that worship is not limited to a place. It is not confined to a building. It is not confined to a structure. It is not confined to a geographical area. It is not confined to a certain city or place. Worship is not limited to any particular place. I want to say this. When it comes to the matter of worship, we ought to worship at church, but you don't have to be in church to worship God. You worship in your car. I know a lot of folks that believe you worship in a boat on Sunday. Or down to the beach on Sunday well I don't know if you can worship there on Sunday but you can worship anywhere you can worship anywhere and I, I do not mean this irreverent or don't misunderstand this but some of the most special moments of my life have not been inside a church and some of those special meetings of God have not been in a church but somewhere in a motel room or somewhere in a place of privacy or whatever There, worship is not limited to a place I remember a few years ago when uh, several obviously from the church went to England and the staff went, the, uh, Brian and David, different ones here, they wanted to go, so we carried them over and whatever, and we went to Wesley's Chapel on Sunday morning, formal, oh my, so it's formal, dead o'clock, is four o'clock in, in the morning, and dry, and a liturgical, I mean, uh, if it wasn't for the fact that it, that's where John Wesley had preached and... And that's where Wesley is buried, and the Wesley House is there, and the Wesley Museum is there, and and that is John Wesley's church. I would have no interested interest in going there whatsoever. But we decided that Sunday morning to attend Wesley's chapel, and again, it very formal. We got there late. Uh, Brian or Dave, don't remember which one. They said they had figured out the bus schedule, and and uh, they didn't. So we got there late. And uh, as David Bryan says, Amen. So we come in late, and uh, we didn't realize at the time, but it was the 200th anniversary of the death of John Wesley, and that was a special day where they're having ceremonies out the back of the building where he's buried, and we got to be there for that particular day and whatever. And but we came in late, and uh, the usher took us right down to the second row from the front on the aisle to the on the side here. Well I had just sat down and I looked And I I looked at Sherry and I said They're having communion today And I I could tell that they were having communion Due to that uh, big old silver cup Or whatever it was up there And the bread and whatever like that And Sherry said Are you going to take communion? I said this is John Wesley's church they have a healing line I'm getting in the middle of it This is where I'm going to get I'm going to enjoy every bit of it But uh, we did We took communion that day And it was different it was very, very, very different. In fact, uh, we, we were the first ones, they walked over, it was right at front. They walked over and asked escort around, he we went around back, there was a rail there and, and they passed the cup by and you drunk the communion wine from the cup and, and they'd give you a piece of bread and whatever and hand it to you. I was the first, well, Sherry's the first one to drink out of the cup. I drunk out of the cup, second of all, and then I think it was David and uh, Kim and whatever and then later on that week we found out David had Bono and it yeah you know, I just I was glad I was the first one to drink from it I don't know what the church I'm sure their attendance was down quite a bit over the next several weeks but it was different but it was special I cannot I cannot explain my how special it was when I know totally unorthodox what I was used to and very liturgical but the matter of worship is not confined to a place as I knelt there that day in Wesley Chapel an atmosphere totally foreign to what I'd ever known and doing it in a way that I'd never known before my heart was blessed and my heart was overwhelmed as I thought about not only Wesley but the God of Wesley you see there is the matter of worship And it's not confined in the walls of a Baptist church. It's not confined in the walls of uh, any other church. It's anywhere. You worship, you worship God anywhere and in any place. It is not limited to a place. Second of all, Jesus told that it was not limited to a person. In this discussion here, he talks about Samaritans and he talks about Jews. And Jesus made it very clear here when he talked about those that worship on this mountain and those that worship in Jerusalem. The hour is coming when neither one of them, it won't matter where it is, and what he was indicating was the walls would be torn down and that worship would not be limited to a person. Anybody can worship God. Anybody that's been redeemed with the grace of God, everybody, I should say, that's been redeemed can worship God. Now, worship is not limited to just some great christian it's not limited to the pastors not limited to the deacons not limited to elders if that be the case in the church it's not limited to any particular titles whatever worship is not limited to a person or to a people it is an experience of everyone that has been redeemed with the grace of god take the woman jesus was talking to take the kind of woman she was And Jesus was telling her that she could enter into an experience that would allow her to really worship God. It's not limited to a place. It's not limited to a person. It is the Father's description of worship. But let me give you the third and final thing, and this is the heart of what I want to say. There is the Father's definition of worship. What is worship? I've been talking about worship. God seeks those that worship Him. He wants people to worship. He wants to find people that are worshipped. Worship's not limited to a place. it's not limited to a people or to a person. So what really is worship? R. A. Tory said that worship is the adoring contemplation of God. Another writer said that worship is the o- overflow of a grateful heart under the sense of divine favor. Another said that worship is the outpouring of a soul at rest in the presence of God. This is my favorite. Someone said that worship is the occupation of the heart, not with its needs or even with its blessings, but with God Himself. Can I say that again? Worship is not the occupation of the, worship is the occupation of the heart, not with its needs, nor even with its blessings, but with God Himself. Worship. Now, how does the Father define worship? Look in verse twenty-three. But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Verse twenty-four. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I find in that statement there a definition of what worship is. That worship is a twofold activity. That worship, the word worship, literally means to bow the knee. It is a word that speaks of that which is worthy. Worship, worthy. When you're talking about worship, you're talking about someone that is worthy. And it means to bow the knee. But Jesus said that worship involves two things, spirit and truth, spirit and truth. In fact, Jesus said you cannot worship without spirit and truth. You must worship Him in spirit and in truth. What is spirit and truth? Let me give you these two things. One, worship must be biblically inspired. Worship must be biblically inspired. Put a circle around the word truth. They that worship Him must worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Verse 24, in spirit and in truth. Twice He makes that statement. Both times He tells us that truth is a part of worship. That truth must be involved in worship. That truth is engaged when it comes to the matter of worship. Truth. What is truth? It's the revelation of God. It is the Scriptures. It is the Word of God. It is the blessed doctrines of the Book of God. It is what the Bible reveals about God. That is truth. And when it comes to the matter of worship, worship involves this matter of truth. In fact, as I give the point here, it is truth that inspires worship so what are you talking about I believe that the first step in worship starts right here now follow me tonight the first step in real worship starts right here in the mind that's where you begin the process of worship truth truth is something declared truth is something set down Truth is something that is revealed. It is something that has been given by God for the understanding that we might come to the understanding of about God and who He is and what He said. That's truth. And understanding involves the mind. It is an apprehension of truth. It is a comprehension of truth. It is understanding truth. And that is a part of the mind, the process of the mind, being able to retain it and understand it and sift through it and go through it to come to an understanding of truth. That's where the mind is involved. And worship starts in the mind. It starts with understanding something about God. It starts with understanding truth. It starts with an understanding of who God is, the kind of God that He is what he has revealed about himself, what he has said about himself, who he has declared himself to be, what he has done throughout the ages of time. That's truth. And there is the understanding of truth. This involves a contemplation. Worship begins with you thinking. Worship begins with you thinking about God. You remember the one definition I gave a moment ago? I said it's one of my favorite I found this a number of years ago. don't know exactly where I found it. But worship is the occupation of the heart, not with its needs or even with its blessings, but with God himself. Worship is the mind thinking about God. All of my burdens with all of my problems it is not even thinking and dwelling upon it and, and meditating upon all that God has done for us it is thinking about God who he is he is the great God he is the mighty God he is the Jehovah Jireh my God shall provide he is Jehovah Shalom my God is my peace He is Savior. He is Redeemer. And all of these names, you remember when I preached through Isaiah or Theology 101 from Isaiah and the names of God and I talked about how every name is a revelation of God and there are hundreds and hundreds of names because you cannot reveal God in one name and it took several hundred names just to be able to reveal what God wants to know about Himself and even then we don't know all there is to know about God. He is a God that is self-existent. He doesn't need anybody to exist. He doesn't depend on anybody to exist. He is self-sufficient within himself, self-existent in himself. He is God, the I am that I am. He's that God, and you can go on and on and on and on. Worship begins with you taking time to dwell upon who he is. E.F. Scott said that religion is more than merely the strenuous exercise of the intellect but that is nonetheless a very great part of religious failure, great part of religious failure that is due to nothing other than intellectual sloth. And he said, to fail to think things out is in itself a sin. Worship begins with you thinking about God. It's like on Sunday or in a service here. Part of the service is music, songs about God. Now those songs can do one of two things for your heart It can be a melody that you enjoy It can be a style of song Maybe the pace or the uh, whatever, slow, fast Maybe a little upbeat for some Maybe a little uh, traditional for others or whatever like that But you can get wrapped up in a song because of how pretty it is Or the melody of the song or whatever But the purpose of music is to put a melody behind truth and when you sing a song you are thinking about what you are singing and as you think about what you sing you think about what is being said what has been communicated what is being taught it is a matter of truth you see all worship starts with biblical truth it inspires worship As you learn about God, as you think about God, as you dwell upon God, that worship is inspired in your heart. Worship, now listen to me, worship involves emotions, you'll notice in just a moment, but it is not just having a good feeling. Worship starts in your mind as you think about God and look upon Him and dwell upon him and who he is. It is biblically inspired. Second of all, Jesus said spirit and truth. It is emotionally involved. Notice something carefully. This verse is read wrong just about by everybody I hear read it. The Father must, they must worship the Father in spirit and truth. And often talking about we must worship him the, through the Holy Spirit in truth. Notice that the word spirit there is not capitalized, indicating that he's not talking about the Holy Spirit. He is talking about the spirit of man. They that worship God must worship Him in their spirit and in truth. What is he talking about? First of all, worship is biblically inspired and then it's motionally involved. When he talks about the spirit here, he's talking about the human spirit. That the human spirit is involved in worship. It's that part of us that dreams. The human spirit is that part of us that plans It's that part of us that sees and longs And that part that drives us And that part that makes us happy And that part that makes us sad It's, 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 it's the real you, you might say And all the inner part of you Your emotions, your will, your desires And everything like that uh, You worship Him in your spirit And you worship Him through truth Now what does that mean? It's this It starts right here It'll end up right here You see what I'm talking about? Worship involves both here and here. It starts in your mind as you think about God. You're occupied with God in your thoughts. And as you think about God, then it's not long. Listen to me. There are a lot of folks that feel like that when you come to church, that that ought to be a place of reverence. And I understand what they're saying. And I understand that the house of God ought to be a place of reverence, and it should. It's no place for the old Adam hooping it up. There ought to be reverence. But the kind of reverence they're talking about, I've I've felt the same thing in a cemetery many, many times. You know what I'm talking about. They have this attitude when you come to church there, you're supposed to walk in. You've seen signs over a church door. And and to, to be quiet, you're about to enter the worship. They ought to put it up there, shout as you go through the door. That's what it ought to say. And uh, they, But anyway, you come in, you sit down Everything's got to be formal Everything's got to be reverent And you can't say anything And you can't say, man You can't show any kind of emotions and whatever I hate to disappoint that crowd But God's looking for some folk that'll put a little emotion in what they do He's looking for folks And what he's talking about is That as you begin to dwell upon truth about who God is as you think about God, the implication is that it will also affect your spirit. That as you begin to dwell upon who God is and you begin to think about the kind of God that He is and what He can do and what He has done and what He is to us in every hour of life, it will not be long that your spirit is moved. And the result is there is an overflow in your life. You know why people don't get emotional in church? You say, it's not me. No, 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 no. I beg to differ with you. You ever get a glimpse of God and put your mind upon God and, let, and see God as He really is, I don't care how unemotional you are, somewhere you're going to have an overflow. You can't help it. Whenever God gets big in your heart, God begins to grow in your soul Somewhere you began, your heart is moved and you began to weep and you sometimes you just want to lift your hands up and hold your hands up in the air and just to worship God. Sometimes you just want to sing to Him. Sometimes you just want to shout. But whenever you get a good sight of the kind of God that He is, your spirit will get involved in what's going on. In other words, emotion is to be a part of our worship. You remember 1 Corinthians chapter 14? You remember when we were going through there a few weeks ago and uh, I ran across this and and all the other things we looked at about gifts and different things. I guess the one thing that got my attention more in the chapter was verse 15. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Now what they were doing in the Corinthian church, they were doing everything in the Spirit. Man's spirit, again, you'll notice in 1 Corinthians 14, 15 that it's a little less, meaning the spirit of man. And all that was going on in the Corinthian church was just uh, the old Adam, just the flesh having a good time. And Paul, he makes clear there that there is nothing wrong with the emotional side of worship, but it's not to be disconnected to the intellectual side of worship. And the two are going to be put together. Like he says in verse 15, he said, if I sing with the Spirit, I'm going to sing with understanding. That is, when I sing, I'm going to sing truth that I understand and I'm also going to put myself into what I do. There's going to be emotional attachment, involvement in what is going on. You see, when Jesus talked about worship, it is much more than just having a good time. Worship. Is putting your mind and heart on God genuine worship is more than coming to a place more than getting in a particular atmosphere listen you can go in as like I referred to Wesley Chapel a while ago there was not one thing there to excite the flesh not one thing I promise you not one thing to excite the flesh dead liturgical whatever I mean it was nothing there to excite the flesh but it's not to a place or been in some kind of atmosphere. you be in the driest place in the world if you, and you still be able to worship God. You, it doesn't matter where you're at. It's more than coming to a place or getting in some particular kind of atmosphere. It is thinking about God and allowing the heart to be moved in adoration toward God. Again, there is no way just to sit down and think about God. And just think about Him and just sit down and just stop. And just slow, slow life down. And just sit down and just think about God. As you know, I am very, very partial to British authors. And I guess if there is nobody that, that uh, has influenced me any more than British authors. Not of this particular generation, but from generations past. American authors, and are many on this. Not to say that I'm not moved by many American authors, and I have my own uh, favorites here in this country from this day and past and whatever there. But I have to admit to you, nobody, nobody has influenced me or affected me any more than the British authors of another generation. That's why they are so special. I mean, to devour them. They devour everything about their lives, and learn every read everything that they have written, and read everything about them. And that's why I've, it's through the years, it's been such a joy and a delight for me to go here and see this and, and just to be here and say, this is where so-and-so was and this is where so-and-so preached and all these different things, they, they mean so much to me because those British authors have so impacted my life. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One thing so distinctive about British authors versus uh, American authors and preachers through the, uh, through the ages has been their treatment of the Scriptures. American, not many American preachers, and thank God over the past few years expository to her preaching has got a grip in this country and now uh, preaching is becoming more where people are taking the text and preaching the text and and all but through the history throughout most of American history and most even the greatest names in American history as far as the pulpit concerned basically they took a thought and that's what they preached on but the British authors were somewhat different in that they would take a text and they would deal with the text and that impacted me and, and, and kind of form the style of preaching that I do But another thing was That so impacted me about them Is that they took me to God in their writings They were not locked in on this issue And they're not locked in on this issue And whatever It was just Jesus Christ Center of everything Lord of all And as you began to read them They took you to Calvary They took you to the cross They took you to the throne of God And worship was a big part of it you see, worship is you thinking about God And then being moved by what it is you, Listen to me, listen to me On Sunday morning we come to church And somebody say, boy, it was dead today And I'll tell you, nine out of ten times This is what you mean Boy, you know, the service really didn't get up today The choir's kind of flat and Brother Ken really didn't have it together today And where's Raymond? I didn't hear him and this, that, and the other and you think it's a dead service. I want to tell you something. You want to know why services are dead for you? If the services are dead, don't look around the building. Just look at yourself. If services are dead and you didn't get anything out of a service, don't blame anybody but yourself. Because if you hook your spiritual jumper cables to the church, you're going to get a hold of a dead battery once in a while. But if you hook your spiritual jumper cables to the throne of God, and you come in here on Sunday morning, you could care less whether Rick does good, brother Ken does good, whether the choir sings loud or whether they don't sing loud, who sings specials. It doesn't matter whether anybody shouts. It doesn't matter whether anybody raises their hand. If you'll hook your spiritual jumper cables to the throne of God and look in the face of Jesus and worship, you'll get something out of it. It won't make any difference what else is going on in the service. You come, and one of the missing ingredients here, as well as places I go, is people just don't worship. Everything is based on what happens in a service. Forget what's going on in a service. When you come to church, it's not what you get out of it, it's what you put into it. And when you come in, put your mind on Him, let every song drive you to Him. Let the Word of God take you to Him. See Him, who He is, the kind of God that He is. Do you believe He's a great God? Do you believe He's a glorious God? Do you believe He's a merciful God? Do you believe that He's a gracious God? Do you believe He's a saving God? Do you believe He's a mighty God? Do you believe He's an eternal God? Then think about Him. And when you dwell upon Him, your spirit will be moved by it. When you get to that place where you forget everything else and it is just Him and you are moved in a blessed experience of who He is, then you have worshiped. And that's what the Father seeks. I want the ladies to come. I want Sherry to come, unless Rick's got to kind of sprung these, this on them at the very end. Candy, it's at the very end of next slide from the last point. Well, one of my favorite. I love courses. We use them, have used them here, and using them more and more and whatever. I love courses. Many of them are based upon uh, scriptures and things. Here's one based upon, I believe, Psalm 34 and verse 5. But uh, I heard this years ago. This is an old course. It may be new to you. But I love this little song. Because it, to me, the first time I heard it, I think it was off a of Maranatha Singers tape years ago. And when I heard this song, I thought... It just touched my heart because it really, in essence, described worship. And I want, uh, I want you to learn it tonight. In fact, Sherry's going to sing it. And I want you to stand. It's going to be on the screen. And it's on the screen a couple times there, Candy. And uh, I want us, Sherry to sing it. And then I want Rick to come. And I want us to learn it. But I want her to sing through it one time. And then I want to come back and just point out some things about the song and the chorus and what it says to remind you what it said. I want you to listen to this. It's called When I Look Into His Holiness is the name of this little chorus. When I Look Into His Holiness. Listen to the song. Look at the words on the screen. Think about what you're reading.
4: When I look into your holiness
1: Listen to it. When
4: I gaze into your This this. When all things that surround become shadows in the light of you.
1: Think about it. Think. And here's what happens.
4: When I've found the joy of reaching your heart. Yes. When my will I becomes strong you. in Sorry. your love. When all Around become shadows in the light of you.
1: Here's the chorus now. Listen,
4: I worship you. Yes, I worship you. Yes, think about it. The reason I live is to worship you. You look up here
1: before we sing just a moment I left a part off there and Candy you picked that up and I left the second really second stanza last part of that first verse but look at the words when I look into your holiness when I gaze upon your loveliness when all the things that surround become shadows in the light of you I worship you. That's what worship is. Worship is looking on the Lord Jesus. Now, everybody, when we come to church, all of us have our needs and we all have our burdens, we have our problems. But the Father, think about this. The Father wants us to worship. He looks for us to worship. He seeks to worship. Now, I'm praying for a summer revival. I talked about having meetings... But a summer revival. Revival in a lot of areas around here. And uh, one of them is a revival in worship. That second part of it uh, goes, Sherry it goes, When I
4: When I found the joy of reaching your heart, when my will becomes enthroned in your love, when all the things that surround become shadows in the light of you,
1: I worship. Forget those and do it. Now let's go through it. Let's do this. Rick, can you lead us there? Sherry can do it there. And uh, let me have the book and I'll give the words to the part that I missed on the screen. Can when I work? When
4: I look into your name.
1: Sing it with her. When
4: I gaze into your loveliness. When all
1: things that surround when sing. When all it.
4: things that surround become shadows in the light.
1: I found the joy of reaching your heart.
4: When I found the joy of reaching your heart.
1: When my will becomes, enthroned, my will in becomes
4: enthroned in your love.
1: When all things that surround
4: become
1: shadows in the
4: light of you.
1: Sing it. Now, would you worship when you sing? i worship you sing it i worship you here's our reason the reason i live is to worship you To worship now, take your Bibles. I want you to do something with me for a moment. Can you just hit the back space on that one time? I want you to find, and I want some of you to, to share with me a verse of scripture from the Bible. I like Raymond, don't you? If I could fan that back on some of you, I would. But take somebody, just real quickly, just from the Word of God, give me a verse of scripture that magnifies something about God. Somebody just find one there. I know it sprung this on you, but maybe there's some yeah. verse of Scripture that's real special to you in the Psalms or whatever, anywhere in the Bible, that says something about God. Amen. Psalm 108. Sure, John three sixteen. Someone else, just share them with us. Verses that magnify God and who He is. Anyone else? Yes. Someone else? Proverbs 3, 5. Someone else? Just some verses about God. Jesus wept. Two little words, but oh, what they mean to us. A God that enters into our sorrows and attaches himself to our needs in life. Someone else. Yes. Someone else. Lift him up. Yes. Someone else. Just lift him up. Don't get in a hurry. Let's just magnify who God is. Absolutely. 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 Amen. Yes, He is. Yes. Others. I know this is Wednesday night. But you know what? I wish tonight in this service we'd fall head over in heels in love with our God. It'd make a difference when we come. Someone else. for you. Someone over here. Make a joyful noise. All oh, you lands. Someone in. There is another. absolutely. Yes. Others. Just yes amen anyone else yeah, absolutely yes he is is he a great God praise you the Lord Yes. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the temple and dance. Praise Him with the string instrument and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. All of those final psalms start with praise you the Lord. They close with praise you the Lord. That phrase, praise you the Lord, to begin and close the psalms are actually one word. You know what it is? Hallelujah. That's what it is. What are we saying tonight? We're talking about our God. And you worship when you forget everything and you begin to dwell upon Him. And as you dwell upon Him, it moves your heart. Hadn't your heart been warned? You leave. Let's sing this little chorus again. I'll give you the other words and we'll get them right because I, I, I want you to get very familiar with this because uh, this, is, this is a lovely melody. But it is the truth when I look into Your holiness. And when I gaze upon your loveliness, I worship you. Let's sing this. Do it with Sherry, and I'll give you the words when of the second part. To your holiness. Sing it from your heart. When I
4: gaze, gaze
1: into your loveliness.
4: I like this. And all things that surround become shadows in the light.
1: When I find the joy of reaching your heart.
4: When I found the joy of reaching your heart.
1: When my will becomes enthroned when in your love. When will becomes
4: enthroned in your love.
1: When all things that surround me. Just close your eyes, lift your hands, and sing it to the Lord and worship. Worship worship you. you. Worship Him. You are a great God. Worship you. The reason I live. The The reason reason I live. To hell. I, I worship, worship you. you. Tell him how much you love I worship you. I worship you. Amen.
4: The reason I live
1: yes. is to worship Amen. you. Amen. I just, we're going to have a word of prayer. Remember these, our missionary of the week is Steve. And Julia Brock Brockell, Missionaries of the Dominican Republic. And also our Church of the Week is Shiloh Baptist Church in Rossville, Georgia, Brother Paul O'Neill. I want to remember them. And then our hospitalist, Gertrude Hubbard. She's at Siskins Rehab Hospital. Tilly Fletcher. Tilly had her big baby boy last night. And but uh, she had a real difficult time. They had to do a blood transfusion today. And we want to continue to pray for Tilly. I think everyone is doing well. Also Add to your list LeBron Brown. This is Terry Jeffries and Susan Dame's brother-in-law. They had to put him back in Tri-County today. He is not doing well. And then several special requests given to me. Doris Myers, uh, uh, she's at Memorial Hospital's possible stroke. This is Sandy's mother. And again, Tilly and also Francis Nix at Hell South. This is Betty Brock's mother. And then also Irene Touchstone was telling me that her... Grandson Alan is in the hospital in New York. So I want you to remember these and be praying for them. We're going to sing this one more time. Can't hit that backspace button one more time. And we'll do this one more time. Then we're going to come around the altar and gather and, and take these things to the Lord. But let's do this one more time. And Are you in a real hurry? Don't make any difference anyway. You know, I'm going to let you out. Let's worship. Learn to worship God. Think about God. Let Him become a part of of your very life and very being. When I look into your holiness, saying it.
4: When I look into your holiness,
1: that's what they're doing in heaven. Holy, holy, gaze
4: holy. Into your
1: the occupation of those in heaven is just looking in the face of Jesus. When
4: all things that yes. Become
1: When i found the joy of reaching your heart, yes, when, when i found the joy of reaching your heart, when, when my will, will becomes enthroned, enthroned, enthroned in, your
4: in your love,
1: when all things that surround
4: when things that surround become shadows in the light of you, when everything
1: else fades out of view and it's just him. I worship you. Sing it. I worship you. And he is worthy. I worship, I worship you. He's a wonderful, wonderful Lord. Amen. The reason I live
4: is to worship you. Sing it. I worship you. I worship you,
1: the reason I live is to worship you. Let's all come and gather around the altar. Let's pray for the Brockels, Shiloh Baptist Church, and our special request tonight. Pray for Sunday, Mother's Day. Many of you will be bringing your children. Some of them are not living for God. Let's pray for them. Let's pray that God will bring these children to the Lord. Let's pray for a convicting power in the service this Sunday. Let's pray for all these. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, because of the God that you are, because of who you are, we know that our prayers are not in vain. And as we come to you tonight, we come to you to God to ask you on the basis and the authority of who you are and what you've done for us to be mindful of these special requests tonight we pray for the Brockels thank you for uh, our missionaries and we pray you bless them in the Dominican Republic use them there and I pray you'd open many many hearts to the gospel pray for Shiloh Baptist one of our sister churches here in the county in the area bless them bless Brother Paul I pray you'd do a great work there bless them in a very special way a very very special way pray now Lord for all of our sick folk tonight to be with them and touch them and meet every need and glorify the name of Jesus Christ I pray Lord for Sunday that you'd bless may it be a mighty day let us come Sunday to worship you may Sunday when we gather here may everything The truth of what we hear in songs and the truth of what we hear in your work. May it all just take us to you. May we fall in love with you again, Lord. May you become the supreme occupation of our heart and mind. May you find in us what you want, and that is true worshipers. So teach us to worship. May there be a revival of worship in this place. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and for all the good things you've done for us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you glad you are saved tonight? Say, Amen. Tomorrow night, remember the faith team that tomorrow night is their final night. They have completed their first semester. Tomorrow night's their exam time. (laughs) And they've got their work cut out for tomorrow night. You mark it down. It's a big exam, so remember them. Also, in the morning, I've, I've had a unique opportunity. You go ahead and stand. I know you wore out. But I've been standing a lot longer than you have. We're fixing to go. Eh, Amen. I had a unique honor bestowed upon me. And uh, I want you to be mindful of me in the morning. And, and uh, I've had a lot of things. I count an honor and privilege and whatever like that. But uh, uh, this has been unique. This, this is a different experience for me. And I really felt honored in, in being invited whatever there. But uh, I'm going to serve as the chaplain for the day for the Tennessee Senate tomorrow. And I'll be leaving in the morning. I'll be at Nashville at 8.30. But uh, I'll tell you what I'll do. If there's anything, any issue, you want me to slip in a prayer, give me $20, I'll slip it in. <laughs> I'll get it out one way or the other there. But uh, I'll be up there in the morning, back tomorrow afternoon. But uh, I'm real excited about that. It's just a unique privilege. So remember, it's in the morning. Sherry's going to go up with us, so I pray it be a special time. Let's look forward to Sunday, and you're dismissed. Shake hands and fellowship as you leave tonight. Let our visitors know how glad we are to have them.